Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jennifer. We've been married for 14 years. And we have five young children. We started blogging over 10 years ago, sharing our marriage story in hopes of encouraging other husbands and wives to draw closer to God and closer to each other. We have authored over 10 books together, including our newest book, Marriage After God, the book that inspired us to start this podcast. Marriage After God is a message to remind all of us that God designed marriage with a purpose. To reflect His love. To be a light in this world. To work together as a team. Using what He has given us. To build His kingdom. Our hope is to encourage you along your marriage journey. As you boldly chase after God together. This is Marriage After God. Hey, welcome back to the final episode of season five. Uh, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith. Your hosts of Marriage After God. And uh, we're glad to have you. I hope you've enjoyed this season, uh, all the various episodes we've had. It's been awesome. Um, and I know that even though this is the last episode of this season, uh, we want to let you know that we will be back. Yeah. So this isn't the end. <laughs> um, we've been trying to do, I mean, we have five kids now. Uh, we're doing a lot of things on the other side of, of this microphone. And uh, we're just trying to give ourselves breaks between seasons so that... Um, yeah, we can bring you the best content and uh, we don't get burned out ourselves because there's a lot of work Yeah, being parents and doing this podcast. So you guys can expect us to begin season six in the fall, early fall, unless for some reason we're able to do it sooner. And if you want to know when it will launch, be sure to sign up for our daily prayer emails because we use those every once in a while to share information like when a new season's launched. And you can sign up for that at marriageaftergod.com. Or you can follow us on social media. Not or, and. And. And follow us. <laughs> yeah, we we, um, we like to post um, when we're going to be doing new episodes. So mm. follow us there. Um, speaking of seasons, uh, we're, we're just about We're in one of my favorite. Spring. Yeah, this is one of my favorite seasons. I love springtime. I love the change of crisp, warm. It's like crisp, cold, warm weather. I know, today it so when much. the clouds covered the sun, it was cool and then when the sun came out it was warm it was awesome it's awesome uh and just the signs of life coming back my my passion for gardening comes back (laughs) because i take a break in the winter begins to bloom yeah super fun um hopefully you guys are gardening get your hands in in the dirt a little bit if you uh, aren't i just want to encourage you to do that it's it's a great learning tool for your children uh me and the kids like to get out there and we'll just like look at stuff growing and talk about it and and there's weeds and nothing better, I think, than eating something, something that you, you grew. grew. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> when we get the tomatoes, it's like my favorite. <laughs> yeah. 
pretty cool. So anyway, it's spring. I love it. We're here. Um, I was just thinking for some reason, I don't usually wrap up in a blanket to podcast with you, Aaron, but I'm, I'm wrapped up in what we call the cuddle blanket. And I was just thinking that we've had this blanket for a really long time. I remember buying it right before we had Elliot and none of our kids have been attached to a blanket, like, you know, a blankie or whatever. And Mm -hmm. which is fine. It doesn't matter if they did or not, but I was just thinking how they aren't, but I am because this cuddle blanket has been everything to me. And the longer I have it, the more connected I feel like I like what would happen if I lost this? I don't know. Work for whole all the it. kids like it too. I know. They like play with it. They want this is the blanket they want when they're on the couch with yep. everyone. Sometimes every once in a while. So when Jennifer I'm, has a blankie. <laughs> sometimes uh, when I'm tucking the kids, one of the kids in to bed, they will ask me, "Will you go get it and put it on top of me?" Um, Do they all call the cuddle blankie too? Well, call. I just started calling it the cuddle blanket. Go get me the cuddle blanket. You know, Truett, he likes to sit on the couch with me, but he is always chilly. And so he he'll bring me the blanket. Up. Yeah. Like, mom, come cuddle me. <laughs> anyway, It's like their cue. Our cue. Like, okay. I have it right now. And I was just thinking if anything happened to it, I don't know what I would do. It's like not replaceable. Now I no, feel it's... for all those little kids who had a blankie and it like got tattered and washed and so too many kept times. It forever. I know. <laughs> Anyways, that was a side tangent. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just wanted to thank everyone uh, that um, if you've been one of our share warriors, sharing on your social media or with a friend or an email or a text message about our podcast, uh, we just... Thank you. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> awesome. We've been seeing so many people uh, posting about it and just sharing their favorite episodes. And and if that's one of you, and if you're listening right now, we just want to say thank you. Uh, you've really blessed us this season. Also, at the end of this episode, would you guys please take a moment to leave us a star rating review or even a written review? Uh, Maybe if you've been following along this whole season, you can mention, uh, you know, what this season has meant to you. Uh, The reason that we ask that you guys do this is just because when it comes to algorithms and people finding the Marriage After God podcast, these ratings and reviews help so much. Uh, And they also bless us. So uh, I just wanted to also give one final thank you to those of you who have uh, have posted a review or sent out those rankings. So thank you to those of you who have, and, uh, to those of you who have yet to do it, please do that at the end of this episode. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, also we, the thing, the free thing that we always talk about, we've been, we've been promoting it quite a bit this last season, uh, is the marriage prayer challenge. Uh, since we're going to be taking a break and if you haven't done this yet, this is the perfect opportunity opportunity for you to do it. It's completely free, and it's an email that we send to you every day for 31 days, just reminding you to pray for your spouse. And uh, we also give you a specific topic to pray for um, and some scripture to go with it. So we want to bless you with that. It's completely free. We love making these kind of resources that you can access and that just da- um, encourage you on a daily basis. Uh, it's marriageprayerchallenge.com. Um, and also, while I'm at it, I'll just tell you about parentingprayerchallenge.com. Uh, for you moms and dads to uh, take a challenge to pray for your sons or daughters or both. Cool. And lastly, just in this beginning part, before we jump into today's topic. Lastly, uh, (laughs) lastly, lastly. (laughs) Um, Every once in a while, we'll share a resource, something that's encouraged us or inspired us on our um, our journey. So many different things. I was going to say journey, but it's really just life. Um, specifically for today's topic of Jesus being our Passover. Uh, there's two books that I want to recommend a family guide to the biblical holidays, which at the end also includes some homeschool unit studies, which is pretty cool. So if you homeschool, that could be something 
you guys are interested in. And then another one called Messiah and the Feasts of Israel. So I know there's a ton more out there and it's good just to mm. share resources. So there you go. So as we start this topic, um, which was, uh, we this topic's coming up because... What's, like, what's like, coming up? I was going to say, we like Jesus. We like to talk about him. Yeah, we like talking about <laughs> Jesus, but what's coming up soon? Well, we grew up celebrating Easter. Aaron, yeah. Or and Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection yeah. Sunday. And I think a lot of people listening go, yeah, yeah. And it was a pivotal time in the year that we mm-hmm. celebrated specifically Jesus' death and resurrection. And for a lot of other people, they would celebrate Passover. Yeah. Specifically Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of people also that celebrate that aren't Jewish. But that... And what we celebrate on uh, Resurrection Sunday have a lot to do with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's amazing symbolism and imagery in the Passover feast that point to Jesus in so many powerful ways. Mm-hmm. And so much of the Bible is that way. Um, so much of the Old Testament specifically is pointing to Jesus. And so much of the New Testament is pointing back to Jesus, this idea of of Christ-centric, mm-hmm. that uh, Christ is the substance, and we'll talk about that. Um, but that's why I want to talk about this because uh, that day, that holiday is coming up soon, and and it's so important to know what the Bible says about Jesus and all these different pictures in the Bible. Yeah, um, there's actually seven biblical feasts um, that are split up in the spring months and the fall months, um, and e- each one is not only not only does it foreshadow Christ and symbolize his testimony in special ways. Um, but the first four he has already fulfilled in their timeline, which I think is amazing and incredible. And I'm just going to leave that right there for mm-hmm. you listeners. Go research that. If you haven't, mm-hmm. if you haven't done that, go research that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how God and, and Jesus fulfill the fall ones. Yeah. And I, just to give a little insight of what you're talking about. Uh, so we, they have these feasts throughout the old Testament that God gave to the Israelites to commemorate certain things, um, that he did for them. Uh, but when Jesus came, he actually fulfilled the purpose of those feasts right. in his life, death and resurrection. And so that's what you're talking yeah, about yeah. by fulfilling them. Um, and so, yeah. Um, although keeping the feasts, by the way, um, and the ceremonial laws are not something that Christians are supposed to observe. Like it's not a part of our salvation. Um, you know, there are things that we could totally choose to do. There's no prohibition of it, but it's not necessary for our salvation. It's not necessary for our walk. Um, um, but there's definitely something that we can, could, can and should look into and understand about these feasts because they tell us, and help us understand the, the mystery of the gospel. And also the the heritage of our Savior. Oh, yeah, because like our Savior is people. a Jew. Yeah, yeah. He's Jewish. Cool. I think as Christians, we forget that. Yeah. That Jesus was himself a Jew, celebrated all of these feasts and festivals, um, adhered to the, the law of God himself. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so I just want to read real quick Colossians 2.17. It tells us there... These are shadows of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So all of these things that God gave to the Israelites, the feasts, the ceremonies, the, the, um, the things that they were to do were shadows. And so the shadow isn't the thing. So like if there's a tree casting a shadow, the shadow is not the tree. The tree is the tree. And so we have these shadows that they point to the substance. The mm-hmm. substance is Christ. Mm-hmm. 
the thing that casts the shadow is the Savior. Mm -hmm. And so when we see these feasts, we see the shape of the Savior. And that's what we're going to see in the Passover. Okay, okay. But this is a marriage podcast, Aaron. So, I mean, why are we talking about this? Well, (laughs) well, first of all, we... (laughs) It's called marriage after God. So we we like to talk about God. Mm. And I, I like to look at it as we're not necessarily a marriage podcast. Mm. We are a gospel podcast, and we like to use our marriage mm. to present the gospel. I like that. I don't know. I, that, that's how I look at it. Uh, marriage is something that God's given us, and we use it as a tool for him. So, um, And it, it, what a powerful thing that he's given us mm-hmm. is our marriage, that we can grow and learn and um, be used for each other in our growth. Amen. I know that's so yeah, it's (laughs) our, it's our marriage. Also, I I think about how we talk so much in our marriage about God, about things we learn in the Bible, about things that we're reading, things that we're thinking about, things that we see in the news, thing, things that we hear. We're like, Hey, what do you think of this? And we have, so it's a, it's actually the most important part of our marriage. It's the largest part of our marriage. And it also helps our, marriage be strengthened and grow and we learn each other. And Mm -hmm. so talking about God, talking about these things in your marriage is important, super important. Good. Uh, we, okay. So that's really good. Really great. I like throwing those questions at you and see what you have to say. (laughs) You're encouraging. Um, we, we just want to let you guys know, we hope that this episode encourages you. We hope that it teaches you something maybe you didn't know before. Uh, stimulate the conversation with your spouse, like Aaron said, mm-hmm. um, and just get your heart focused on what God has done and what he's doing. Uh, because like you already mentioned, we're going into this season very soon mm-hmm. of Passover and Easter and remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, his Amen. death and resurrection. So the name of this episode is Jesus is the Passover. And uh, so the question is, is, did we just come up with that, or does the Bible say that? Well, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Oh, there you so, go. So Paul tells us and shows us that Christ is the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. So our Savior is our Passover. Like He saved us from the wrath of God. That's what this is essentially talking about. So... Today, we're going to just talk about, we're we're using this scripture to kind of set us up, but we're going to be talking about the correlations that we see in this Jewish feast and what Jesus has done. So let's start by taking a little history lesson, the Passover. What was it and why did it happen? Well, if your note on this this timeline is correct, it was about 3,400 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, which is a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. A really long time if you think about it in light of family tradition. So, you know, I think about things in my childhood or things that I've seen other people do that are, fam- you know, ingrained family tradition and they've been through the decades. <laughs> yeah, have they lasted 3,400 years? <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like, that's that's a crazy long time to continue to do something. Well, and it just shows you that this this feast, this tradition that the Jews today still celebrate Pretty much the same way it's always been celebrated since it happened and um, what we're going to read about in Exodus chapter 12. Uh, it shows that it's not founded in anything earthly. Mm. It's something that God gave them. Mm. And so we still ha- they still have it. 
which is a pretty amazing thing. So let's read. It's, it takes us back to the book of Exodus, um, starting in chapter 12, verse 1. And this is where the Passover feast began. And this is actually where a lot of things began, actually. Um, what? I was just going to set up. So uh, God's people have been in Egypt for like 400 years. Mm-hmm. and Most of it being became slaves. slaves. So... Okay, now go. Yeah, and <laughs> so God comes to Moses and says, I want my people to be free. And so he commissions Moses to go talk to Pharaoh. And God gives 10 plagues to help convince Pharaoh to let the people go and to show his glory and his might and his power. His strong arm. Yeah. And we're about to read about the 10th plague. And so leading up to this, the first nine plagues didn't really, um, as you would say, touch the, the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. So everything was affecting the Egyptians, but not necessarily them. But this plague, the 10th plague, had the ability to touch anyone who didn't follow the ritual that the God command. gives them, yeah. the command that God gives them to be saved from this plague. Okay. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count of the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house in which they they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs that they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belts fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we have Passover being instituted right now to save the Hebrews from their firstborn being destroyed. God's going to go destroy the firstborn of everyone in Egypt unless there's blood over their doors. This is the beginning of Passover. And so we see pretty closely uh, or pretty, pretty quickly um, the sim- the symbolism and what's happening. Yeah. Salvation. I mean, overall there's this picture of people in bondage and a miraculous rescue by God. And mm-hmm. we can say there is the same picture in the gospel that we're all familiar with people mm-hmm. in bondage to sin and God providing a miraculous rescue. rescue. This is just like the overall like big theme picture of the Bible theme. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's, oh, wait, so, there's more. Yeah, there's <laughs> so much more. So much more. Um, um, a cool note here: God used the first Passover to be a moment that He started the calendar over. Um, he says, "This will be the first month for you mm. of years." That's so, really cool. 
he literally gives them a fresh, fresh start. start. Not yeah. just a, but it's more than a fresh start. It's a, it's a new life. Mm-hmm. Like none of us can just go back and be like, okay, I'm just going to start my life over today. The I calendar mean, how many starts of us have, now. Yeah. How many of us <laughs> have thought like, let's just start over. Let's just have that time back. But, but God did that for them. He said, so cool. you know what? You've been in bondage for 400 years. Like, but let's just, you, your year starts right now, mm. today, new year, new you, <laughs> like you're going to be, but this is what God does with us when he saves us through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Behold, the old is passed away mm-hmm. and all things have become new. Mm-hmm. The, the old man, there is no more old man. He is dead. There's only the new man, the new creation. This is what we are in Christ born again. As Nicodemus would ask Jesus, how, how am I so what crawl back up into my <laughs> hey, mom's hey, womb? Keep it clean. Yeah. But like th- that's what happens. He's like, well, unless you become born again, we have this new calendar with Christ. And I just, that was a really cool thing I that, that. I, I noticed is your, your days start today. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. So the first detail that we're going to explore here from the Passover is blood, because that was like the main thing that God mm-hmm. was commanding them to do. And, and the thing that he gave them to be saved. Yeah. The blood was the thing. It wasn't, um, all of the other things, of course they had to obey. It was the blood that he would see. It, that was the sign, was so, the blood over the doorpost. I was going to say, just as a reminder, Exodus twelve thirteen says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Yeah, so I want to give a question that everyone listening has probably never thought of. And I and it's it, it just boggles my mind, but it is what it is. Why is blood necessary for saving us? Well, like Hebrews 9.22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And I just ask myself, why is blood the thing? Okay. But it is. So we, we see Adam and Eve, when they sinned, God said, Surely in the day that you eat of that tree, you're going to die. But what happened? Instead of them dying, God sacrificed an animal and covered them with skins of an animal. Hmm. So there was a, there was this substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. This is that that's the theological term for this. Mm-hmm. Instead of them dying, something else died. Um, in Egypt, it was the lamb's blood on the door. Uh, in the temple, it was the blood of the sacrifices that atoned for the sins of the people. And ultimately, all of this points to the fact that um, although blood is required for the forgiveness of sins, we have the this will of God that he says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of Christ. So he doesn't want our blood, but that blood is necessary. Mm-hmm. And in reality, what's the truth about our blood versus Christ's blood? Well, his was perfect. His was the only one capable mm-hmm. of doing this miraculous thing. <laughs> yeah, so no animal's blood, no other human being's blood could cover anyone's sin, let alone the whole sin of the world. Mm-hmm. But Christ's could. The blood that he shed Mm -hmm. makes white as snow. The blood that he shed covers everything, Mm -hmm. covers every sin. And that's just amazing. I just wanted to point that out that Christ's blood is more powerful even than that lamb's blood over the doorpost. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing that I um, did when I uh, was looking into this a while ago is I looked up what's lentil because you hear that word and you're like, you assume what it is, but just to make sure everyone's listening right now, it's, uh, so he says to put the blood on On the the doorpost, the two doorposts and the lentil, that's just the horizontal beam above the door. And so you get this picture of the two sides and the top covered with, covered with blood. 
And Aaron, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we did a family Bible time like a year ago or two years ago. And you were, um, you were teaching the kids and you jumped up and ran to the door to show them where mm-hmm. it, the blood would have been placed. And, and as the you're motion. doing it, you're the making motion. the motion and you do it over and over and over again. And the <laughs> kids finally see, oh, it's a cross. And I just think that that was so cool uh, that, that that was all tied together like that mm-hmm. visibly. How beautiful. Like God is so, God, it's just cool yeah. that he shows those pictures like that. It, it's, a, it's beautiful. And there's more. There's so many more elements to this that we're going to see that God's using. Again, these are shadows. This is what mm-hmm. Hebrews tells us, that these are shadows pointing to um, the substance. So let's, um, let's look at something that we won't find at Passover. <laughs> is that weird to go there? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about a bunch of things that you will find. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're starting with something that you won't find. Okay, in Exodus 12, 8, God tells the people what they must do to save their firstborn from the destroyer. It says, they shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread. That's interesting, right? Yeah. Like, why unleavened bread? And it, for if you don't know what unleavened bread is, leaven is yeast. You put it in bread and it rises. That's all, that's all yeast does. It eats the sugars and it makes it all puffy and good. Yeah. We love leavened bread, (laughs) but God told him to eat unleavened bread. And so leaven here shows us something. So just first and foremost, they need to be ready to go right after eating the Passover, which is an amazing thing to think about. God's like, I want you to eat this, but you better eat it in haste because you're getting out of here quickly. Mm -hmm. So don't linger. Don't take your time. He even tells him to throw the, the, the goat or the lamb whole yeah, on the just fire. Just put it on there. Don't take the entrails out. Don't take nothing. He's like, cook it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, then don't take it with you. Throw it on the fire and let it burn up. It shows you this like urgency, mm-hmm. which is a, another cool picture that word urgency for that we always bring it up for salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeast, like if you don't have, look, back then they didn't have little packets of yeast. What they would do <laughs> is they'd put the bread in a bowl, cover it in a towel and they'd set it out on a, you know. Get wild yeast. Yeah. And the yeast is in the air. Yeah. And it takes time to rise. God's like, no, take it, flatten it out, cook it. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But he actually tells them for seven days to be cleaning it out, to clean it out of the house. Yeah. Let that, that there be no leaven. So mm-hmm. on the first day, clean it out and then no leaven. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to eat unleavened bread for seven days. But this is this idea of, of like urgency quickly that they don't wait, they don't take time. But what other things does leaven represent well, in the Bible? It represents sin, pride. Unbelief, impurity, mm-hmm. you know? And so God's showing, he's like, get it out, get all of this out because I'm taking you somewhere new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it also represents this idea of lingering and waiting. Like I was saying, it takes time for bread to rise. And if they would have not done that, they're like, well, is God really going to, it's almost like a, an unbelief. It's like a, it's a waiting rather than doing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to do, I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It was just a little, Mm-hmm. thought I had about it's cool. leaven because it takes time to get that yeast in the dough. So um, Exodus twelve fifteen is where it talks about getting the leaven out of your houses. It says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is, un- what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Hmm. So pe- people clean out their homes, like Aaron had already mentioned. And they move everything, they sweep it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this shows us a picture of 
what Paul tells us in First Corinthians that we too, as believers, must clean out the leaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we we got to let the in, in reality we let the Lord sweep mm-hmm. every corner of our hearts to cleanse us and transform us to yeah. remove that leaven from us. Now, why don't you read First Corinthians five seven through eight? It says, "Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth." Mm. So he shows us right here the the substance of this thing that God gave the Israelites. Mm-hmm. There, he's telling him about bread. Mm-hmm. We're seeing what he means by it. Yeah the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus tells us that one day, he tells the woman at the well, he's like, one day um, my people will worship me in spirit and in truth. Mm. And so he's showing us like, hey, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be new lump. There's that word new again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, as you really are unleavened. So the reality is, is we are unleavened. Therefore, get rid of the leaven. It's like this. <laughs> and you see this throughout the New Testament a lot. Like put the old man to, to death. Continue to kill the old man. You're a new man. You've died. Like, mm-hmm. so there's this, this dichotomy of I'm a new creation and I still have an old nature mm-hmm. and we're, and we're working towards sanctification. Uh, but this is something that we get to look at as believers is like, is there any leaven that we're holding on to that we're not letting the Lord clean out? Are we fighting it and saying, well, no, I want to keep that. Paul warns us that a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Uh, we're going to take this a little bit further. Uh, the Hebrew word for what we're talking about, this unleavened bread, uh, is called matzah, and it's like a mm-hmm. flatbread. Uh, I've seen it and and you can go buy used it, at it. Whole Foods yeah, or at the store yep, anywhere. It's got holes in it, and it also has like these burned stripes in it, which I think is really interesting. It's just from the baking process, but um, matzah is a picture of Christ's body. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to read Isaiah 53, 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Yeah. And then, which by the way, is a, How beautiful. Is a perfect picture of the gospel right there in Isaiah. Yeah. yeah. You know, thousands, thousand years before Jesus, mm-hmm. um, give or take. I don't know exactly how long it is, <laughs> but um, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. It calls him the bread of life. It says, and when he when and when he had given thanks, speaking of Jesus, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." And what he's doing, this is re- referencing the Passover feast, the Last Supper. This is referencing him taking the matzah and breaking it. And we're actually going to learn about in a second about what he broke. Why, why don't you read John six thirty five? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Hmm. This verse is going to be interesting in a minute about um, what we're going to learn next. But this is all pointing to the fact that Jesus is our matzah. Mm-hmm. He's our bread. He is the the bread that they ate on that night was an image of them consuming the bread of life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Savior, which is what we're told to do. Um, so... What is one of real quick? I just I I love you. You were talking about how, you know, Jesus was at the Passover explaining to his disciples what it meant. Mm -hmm. So he he is the substance, telling them, holding the shadow in his hand, telling them, "This is me. This is me." I just think that's so cool. Well, and the Jews have been doing it for years, decades, generations, and he just told them, "He's like this mystery is me." 
The other thing to think about just really quick on a little silly tangent is Jesus grew up doing Passover with his family. And I wonder, you know, I'm not going to say I wonder how long he knew because he, he knew, but like participating in that way of Passover, knowing what he knew hmm. of who he was, but not saying anything to anyone until this moment. I don't know. That's amazing. I, who knows? I just, who knows if he, yeah, it blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going, moving on from the matzah, one of the traditions with the matzah during the Passover is a thing called the, is it afikomen? Afikomen. Yeah. Why don't you explain so what that is? Because afi- it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. The afikomen is uh, three pieces of matzah that they place in a special bag. And afikomen is actually a Greek word that, that means that which comes after or people know it as like dessert. Mm-hmm. And um, in the beginning of, of the Passover meal, uh, they remove the second piece, the middle piece of matzah. They break it. They wrap it in white linen. They hide it until the very end. And then a child finds it and is rewarded. If you don't see all <laughs> the symbols in this, um, oh my goodness. I don't know what to say. I love that it's a child that goes yeah. looking for it. So, I, that was the first thing when you, when I read about this, the first thing I thought of was Matthew eighteen three, And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And up until this point, the Jews have been celebrating Passover ever since they left Egypt and the children would find the matzah. They, mm. The children would look for the bread of life, mm. the broken bread. Think about that. So we just talked about his body being broken. Uh, and also that three number, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then you have this picture of them taking the one and breaking it and hiding it for three, you know, f- till the end of the meal. And it just makes me think of Jesus being taken from the Godhead because it says he was he was separated from the Father. That he There was a moment when he the wrath of God was on Jesus for us. And he was broken for our, for our iniquities. Okay. And then he was wrapped in linen and hidden for three days. Mm. I just, I know, ooh. I know. And then, <laughs> so, cool. uh, when I, uh, in my notes, when I had put in there that it was a Greek word, Aaron, this made you go on a little hunt and this is what you found about the oh, word yeah, afikomen. So on Wikipedia, it explains the afikomen this way. It says, the afikomen is a substitute for the Passover sacrifice, which was the last thing eaten at the Passover Seder during the eras of the first and second temples and during the periods of the tabernacle. So the last thing during Passover, the last thing that they would eat and consume is the Passover the, sacrifice, the, the sacrifice, yeah, which ended after the second temple was destroyed, of course. Yeah. So the Talmud um, states that it is forbidden to have any other food after the afikomen so that the taste of the matzah that was eaten after the meal remains in the participant's mouth. Mm. Since the destruction of the temple and the dis- discontinuation of the Corban Pesach, which is, these are words for the Passover meal, Jews eat a piece of matzah known, now known as the Afikoman to finish the Passover Seder meal. So even uh, in this substitute, you see this picture, yeah. Of Jesus being the last thing consumed. Yeah. <laughs> and so cool. this actually makes me realize I'm, I'm wrong that so, for generations, they weren't doing the Afikomen, but they had the Passover mm-hmm. lamb that they would eat last, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome for a reason. I'm going to read in a second. Um, but I love this this picture of 
this the matzah being broken. I love this idea of it being the last thing that they taste. Because mm-hmm. Jesus says about himself in Revelation 22, 13, he says, I'm the Alpha and the, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. So they eat the matzah during the meal, and then they eat that matzah last. Mm-hmm. And so he's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. And also, once you taste Christ, there is nothing else. Mm-hmm. There is no more. It's like, it is finished, as he said on the cross. Like, <laughs> <And then. laughs> like I finished, I have, like he said, you'll never hunger again. Mm. I, you'll never thirst again. That's a really cool My time. meal's done. <laughs> you, you just said, you know, he said, it is finished. So that eating, whether it was eating the, sacrif- the sacrifice last or eating the afikomen last, it's consuming Christ and he is the last. I just, that's wonderful. It's done, essentially. Yeah. So we... We talked about the leaven. We talked about the matzah, the afakomen. Uh, why don't we move on to the next element that we see in scripture about this? So um, it talks about bitter herbs. Okay, so yeah. think like uh, horseradish. Um, and it's there's like this <laughs> thing that they do where they dip the matzah or the unleavened bread into the bitter herbs to remember, you know, the pain and sorrow and mm-hmm. bondage that they once were in. Um here, I'll just read Exodus 1.14. And made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So this was their life under the Egyptians. Yeah. So the and bitter herbs what, yeah. served to remind the Jews that they weren't, they once were this mm-hmm. and their life was bitter. And this is the picture of the life of a person without Christ. Mm-hmm. The, the bitter... And hard service and the mortar and brick is building a life in your own, building it in your own strength, trying to save yourself uh, and being a slave to sin and death. This is what we are without Christ. And it's bitter. Mm -hmm. And the end of it is bitter as well, the Bible tells us. And that our enemy and our flesh and that's being slaves to that sin is as their work was ruthlessly made. You know, it says in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Mm -hmm. This is what our sin and our flesh and our bondage to it does, which is why Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He gives reference to him being so much better than the slavery that we have without him. Mm -hmm. So uh, in light of this, I want to remind all of us about uh, scripture in John and something interesting that I wrote about. So John 13, 22 through 26 says this, the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. So this is them at the Passover meal. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So They were wondering who was going to betray him because Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And they were like, who? Who's yeah. going to betray you? What are you talking about? Yeah, but this this little part here about Jesus taking the bread and dipping it. Into you, the bitter. That, yeah, this is into the bitterness. And that that's exactly what Judas was. That was the picture of Judas was this bitter betrayal of friendship and intimacy mm-hmm. and camaraderie to what he chose instead. 
Yeah, and he's and he because he chose the wrong path. Yeah, and so Je- Jesus, this is I just thought this was, when you told me this, I was like, that is amazing, that he he dipped it into the bitter herbs because mm-hmm. that's what he they did. And to take it one step further, you know, Jesus says to take take to to believers break this bread in, in remembrance, remembrance of of him. of him, and this is my body, and drink the wine which we're about to dive into the the cups mm-hmm. of wine. Uh, but he doesn't say anything about the bitter herbs. And so no, he, I feel yeah. like him conquering death on the cross was put an end to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome because he takes the bitterness away. Mm-hmm. He's, he's cleansed it. Now it's sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, another verse, Romans 6, 17 through 18. It says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So the this idea of the bitterness, the bitter herbs to remind of being once slaves, we now get the reminder at, at in communion, which is a, a picture of this in a, in a sense of, wow, Christ has saved me from all that. Mm-hmm. He's removed me from that life and put me in this new one. He's taken me from that land and he's put me in the free land. I'm no longer a slave to sin and death. That is the truth. And so there is no more bitterness. There's joy and peace in the Savior. And hope. Lots of hope. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so um, so I kind of mentioned this already, but we're going to jump into another element of Passover, which are four cups of wine that they take in regard to this scripture in Exodus 6, 6-7. through seven. And I'll read that first, and then we'll kind of break it mm-hmm. break it down. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Mm. So we have four cups and the four cups represent the the various parts of this verse, Mm -hmm. these two verses. And so you have... The first cup representing the statement, I am the Lord and I will bring you out of out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And then the second cup, I will deliver you from slavery. And the third cup that represents, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And then the fourth cup that represents, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. And so you have these cups that represent these statements. Really quick, uh, just others may have heard uh, these cups named differently or defined differently, um, just in one word, really simple Mm -hmm. ways. And so I just want to run through those really quick. The cup of sanctification, the cup of plagues, the cup of redemption. And then the fourth cup is I will take you as my people. Yeah. That's like a longer one, but it's a good one. Uh, but what's cool about these cups is we learned some, I, I, I looked up some scriptures to tie in the imagery that we have as believers in this ceremony of these, these four drinks, these four cups. And so the first cup, this, that represents this statement, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So in Colossians 1.13, Paul says, I've, he has delivered us from the dominion of dark, the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So this is what the Lord has done through Jesus. He will bring us out from under the burdens. Mm -hmm. And he's done this through Jesus. Uh, and then, so just like God transferred them, he's transferred us. And so we're no longer in that world of darkness. We're no longer in Egypt. We're no longer 
part of that system. We're a part of his own kingdom of light. And I just, that's, that's a beautiful picture that you have in that cup. I love it. And um, we get to drink that cup. It's, a, that, it's like a one time we have it mm-hmm. in Christ. That's good. The second one is, I will deliver you from slavery. Uh, so Romans six twenty two says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. Hmm. We've been set free from sin and death. So again, I want to just tell everyone, I, I try and reiterate this, realizing this truth in the Bible has been the biggest transformative thing for me. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, could you attest? Yeah, like me, yeah. real me. This truth never changed. Mm-hmm. I changed because of it. You believed it. I believed it finally. <laughs> yeah, that I have been delivered from slavery. Mm-hmm. I am no longer slave to sin and death. I am now a slave of God, and so I'm not owned by that anymore. I don't have to obey those urges and temptations, and that's the same for every believer in Christ. That you are have been set free from sin. And I become slaves of God. So the third cup, um, and by the way, this cup, which is um, represents, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great acts of judgment. Uh, this third cup is actually the cup that we take as Christians. This is the cup that Jesus says, take this cup and it remember me. When he gives that statement, and I'll read it in a second. Um, so in Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So the cup that we take is this cup of redemption. In Galatians three thirteen, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Christ pours out his blood. Mm-hmm. We learn this in Luke twenty two nineteen 19, when Jesus says, It says, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And I actually think this cup, I I might be wrong on this. I think there's a a feature of this cup where they actually poured and overflow it on Mm. purpose. And it shows that this redemption is overflowing from God. And that's what it's saying. This cup that's poured out, it's overflowing. Like my, my blood is going to overflow and it's going to cover all your sins and make you white as snow. And he says, it's the new covenant. So when we take communion, we're actually participating in this third cup that the the Jewish people would partake in. Um, But it's the only part of this ceremony that Jesus has asked us to do is eat the bread, take this cup and remember his body Mm -hmm. and his blood because it's what redeems us. Yep. Uh, the last one says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So this last cup, this is what God is doing through Jesus. He's purifying for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So this cup, this what they would be drinking is this, is being brought into the promised land. 
this is what we wait for, our blessed hope. And there's actually a statement Jesus says. It's not quite in the right order, but I, I think it has something to do with this. He says, for I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in my kingdom. Which makes sense in light of um, the marriage feast and like mm-hmm. waiting for that. Yeah. For his people. That there's come, there's going to come a time that our blessed hope is going to appear in glory yeah. and he's going to receive us to himself. Mm-hmm. And so we wait to drink that with him. I, I'm excited to sit down at a table. It's probably going to be the best tasting wine. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be actually wine or not, but sitting with our Lord in his kingdom mm. and he's ruling. I'm just so stoked for that. So cool. Uh, what an emotional thing to have um, spent, like speaking of Jesus, like I had already mentioned before, but spending year after year celebrating the Passover. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing what it means and then getting to this point where it's your lat your last passover hmm. like with his disciples that's a big deal he and he loved them and so he shared with them who he was and what he was doing and what it means mm-hmm. um and not for their sake only but for ours also that we can know christ and him crucified which is the gospel so looking at the pictures in Passover and the symbolism overlaid with Christ and what he's done is just incredible. Yeah. Um, but this is just one of the feasts. So a little, <laughs> little side note is like, you should dig into some of, of these. Yeah. Go read them in the Bible and look with the eyes of where is Christ mm-hmm. in this? What is he showing me? How is this a shadow of the substance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we've talked about parts of the Passover. Now we're going to look at that Holy Week and the events that took place, especially that last week of Christ's life. Yeah, some of these are going to blow your mind, by the way. Well, let's see. Yeah, and we didn't come up with all these. Like, we've done research and we've looked into them, and some of the things that we've read about, we're like, oh, when we see the pictures. So interesting. We don't want to take credit for everything. We're just going to present it to you, and hopefully you get blessed by it. (laughs) Here we go. Um, Okay, so, so we've talked about Passover and it being like a family tradition. But what would happen is, Aaron, you when you when we first started this episode, you uh, read Exodus, mm-hmm. and it said that they should take a lamb for every household. Mm-hmm. So as a family tradition, every household would select a lamb. And they did it on... Perfect, a, and a year old, a male. Mm-hmm, and they would do it at a specific time mm-hmm. at the beginning of this week. And... Um, they would live with it. Yeah, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to point this out. So oh. on that day that they would select the one-year-old lamb was the same time that Jesus entered Jerusalem, greeted with palm branches and other branches saying, Hosanna, signifying their desire to make him king. They w- they wanted to make him king. So what you're saying is they chose their lamb? Yes. And this, this is okay. what we know as Palm Sunday. Okay. So Remember Jesus rides Jesus- in on a donkey. Yep. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They're cheering for him. Yep, they're it's like, amazing. It's like this right. big thing. His disciples are like, oh, it's going to happen. He's going to be king. Like that's, so they're, collect- they're all thinking this. So collectively, they've selected their lamb. And by the way, I remember how la- on, was it last episode or two episodes ago about um, prophecy? The last times, episode, yeah. Um, we were talking about how up to this time, they had the, they knew that all the Jews, for the most part, had this feeling like, oh, we're in that time frame. Yeah, like it made sense. That the Messiah's yeah, coming. Yeah. So they actually believed that he was the Messiah that was about to be an earthly king for them. 
which and is so, just crazy how so much he, changed over the course of a few days. But okay. he's coming in, and they've selected their lamb. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, do you want to share the next part? Yeah. So they sell. <laughs> so if we're what we're doing is we're doing this parallel of Jesus and the Passover feast. So Jesus comes in, and they they select him. The Jewish family would select their lamb and bring it into the house. Okay. Immediately after he gets, he comes into the city, which is a really funny thing. Actually, he's like, they're like praising him and they're palm branches and like excited. And he heads straight to the temple, his father's house, his father's house, so the, the, yeah. the lamb in his father's house. Yeah. And That's what right. does he do? In well, one of the gospels, it says that he fashions a whip and he goes in and he starts whipping the the money collectors flipping tables, money's going everywhere, chickens everywhere, he's cleaning, animals he's everywhere. He's cleaning out the leaven. He's cleaning <laughs> out the house, right? So he's going in, getting rid of the impurities, getting rid of. He's cleaning it out, mm-hmm. which is I thought you, when you, cool. you pointed that out to me, and I was like, that's awesome. Cool. So okay, so these uh, little lambs are kept in the homes, and they're examined over several days um, because they can't have any impurities, yeah, have no limp, blemishes, nothing. If their eye weeps, nothing. If anything. And because they are only a year old, it just takes that a little bit more time to see. I guess I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, it's during this time that okay, Jesus was selected. He goes into the temple, he clears it out, and then he's teaching, but he's also being interrogated. Mm-hmm. They're testing him. Who? The Sadducees and the Pharisees, yeah. the, the the religious leaders, they're testing Jesus, seeing if he is who he says he is, mm-hmm. if he is perfect, if he because, is pure. Because the lambs must be determined pure and perfect in order to continue mm-hmm. on with their sacrifice for Passover. Right? Which leads to the next amazing thing, thinking about these parallels, is that not only does Jesus stand before the religious leaders when they capture him to, to crucify him, he gets grilled by them, but he also gets grilled by the the ruling leader, Pontius Pilate. Well, he's put on trial, and he, yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's scrutinized. So John 19, 4, it says, Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. No, What a declaration. So what, yeah, not a declaration of like, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm not, have nothing to do with this. No, he says, I find no guilt in him. It's very specific. And even in Matthew 26, 59, it says, Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none. None. Though many false witnesses came forward. So the religious leaders and the political leaders both found no guilt in him. Hmm. So if you think about it, tried. in the house, the lamb was tested. Was he perfect? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, so then Jesus celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples, which not by the then, way, I'm not going in order, by the way, of, of all these events. No, but this does happen where yes. he does celebrate the Passover meal together with them. And I just, um, I can't imagine being one of the disciples experiencing this amazing intimate dinner with my Lord and hearing him talking strangely about breaking the bread and that's his body like, and what then, do you mean breaking your body and then the mean? wine is somehow his blood like okay i'm trying to wrap my head around this right but then it actually mm-hmm. happening and hearing or seeing and being a part of that whole situation where what jesus had just said actually happens mm-hmm. well like, it, just being one of the it almost destroyed them that's crazy um it didn't but it almost did yeah. um yeah it's I, w- I don't even know. 
we see we get to look at backwards and see it all yeah. like in linear but they were experiencing it as it was happening i couldn't imagine mm. um and so on the fifth day the they would kill the lamb without breaking its bones this mm-hmm. is a this is what god said kill the lamb without breaking its bones mm-hmm. um which is by the way exactly how jesus died Yep. No, no bone was broken. Yep. Uh, and the reason that's important is because one of the ways that the Roman soldiers would, if they wanted to get through the crucifixions quicker, and you see this, they broke the legs of mm-hmm. the thieves on the cross next to Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, he had already died. Mm-hmm. It says that he gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. Mm-hmm. And so instead of breaking his legs so that he would suffocate, they just stabbed him in the side mm-hmm. with a spear, which went through his heart. But he was already dead. So no bone was broken in Jesus's body when he died, which fulfills, again, we were talking about Jesus fulfilled these, these yeah. feasts. Yeah, this is what we mean. In his death, he couldn't have controlled necessarily the, the Romans not breaking his legs other than dying first. <laughs> so he dies. No bone is broken. He fulfills that ordinance by God yeah. in his own body. So cool. Yeah. And so then another note on this, um, by the way, uh, it, Eating the whole lamb, eating, eating, not leaving anything left over. In John six fifty three, Jesus says, um, Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you." By the way, this is one of the one of the craziest things that Jesus says in the Bible. I think he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you." Yeah, that's kind of weird. But he says this on purpose, and hundreds of his disciples leave him in this moment because of this word. And this is when he looks over at Peter and says, are you also not going to leave? And Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life, <laughs> right? But he literally says, unless you eat me and drink my blood. And we get it now as Christians. We're like, oh yeah, communion. We understand it. Like it's his body and his mm. blood. But he's showing this idea of eating the lamb. Mm-hmm. Right? Which it's eat the whole lamb. And, and leave nothing what, left over. <laughs> well, what I what I see is, you know, the the scripture talks about Jesus is the word. Mm-hmm. And so he also we calls as, the bread of life. Yeah. But we as believers get to consume God's word and not just parts of it. Mm-hmm. We get to consume the whole word of God. A side note for everyone listening, you should go research the showbread in the mm-hmm. temple. Yeah. Um, Talk and, about pictures and learn about uh, the showbread and how it remained fresh and how the priests were supposed to consume all of it yeah. and not leave any left. Just a beautiful thing. Okay, so that is really, really good. Yeah, bring um, up this part because this part's awesome too. All these a, parallels, they're yeah. like perfect. Okay, so you talked about Jesus being up on the cross. Um, and at that moment when he was suffering uh, before he died, they reached up, well, I'll just read it, John nineteen twenty nine. a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. So this was just to try and ease the pain of what he was going through mm-hmm. and help him along. But what's the significance of hyssop? hyssop? <laughs> the hyssop was used to put the blood over the doorposts in Egypt. Huh. That's what they used. And so there's this correlation, this overlap, this picture we see of the hyssop branch being used during Passover. Mm, interesting. Mm. I like all this. So uh, the, another thing that's amazing, it, it just blows my mind. Jesus is dying on the cross at the same time as Passover happening. So at 3 p.m., the same time they would have slain the Passover lamb, 
Jesus was taking his last breath. Mm. So they were literally slaying the Passover lamb. Well, remember, <laughs> Jesus. they were a busy people that week because they they um, were there for him when he entered Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But then they had to select their lambs for Passover. Mm-hmm. And then there was the whole like trial of mm-hmm. condemning Jesus. And then he's dying on the cross and they need to get busy preparing for Passover. And so where are they? They're, yeah. they're about to go sacrifice their Passover because mm-hmm. they don't want to neglect what God has commanded them to do. Yeah. If you remember, um, uh, was it, is it Joseph wanted to take the body mm-hmm. of Jesus mm-hmm. and they wanted to do, do it quickly because, because Sabbath was coming. Passover was about to begin Yeah, and he had, and they can't bury bodies mm-hmm. <laughs> on Passover. So they had to take him down They and they put him in the tomb and you just see all these things happening. And you don't realize that what they're doing is they're literally fulfilling the Passover feast. Mm-hmm. In um, real time with the actual Passover lamb, the Messiah. It's just crazy. Um, I was reading about the Shafar last year and I just came. I was Which doing, is the Shafar again? What is that? What, so what is the Shafar? It's the, the horn that's. They blow. They blow. <laughs> yep. For special occasions. And I stumbled upon um, someone talking about how they blow the Shafar uh, during Passover. And, is it to announce like a beginning? Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting there thinking like if Jesus was on the cross and they were getting ready to start the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and they were blowing the shofar, could he hear it or Mm. it happening right as he was going? Like it just, it just, wow. So Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood, his sacrifice and resurrection sets us free from bondage of sin. Mm Mm-hmm just like he set the Jews free from bondage of slavery in Egypt, but like better because <laughs> our land that we look forward to is forever. Their land went away. Now they have it again, but <laughs> it's not permanent. Our land is permanent. We have a, we have an imperishable inheritance. The Bible tells us. Uh, John one twenty nine says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hmm. I just love that. Yeah, so John proclaimed him the Lamb of God. Uh, and he is the Lamb. Uh, the Bible says who was slain from the foundations of the world. Like he, his, his death is eternal. Mm-hmm. And his resurrection is eternal. And his blood is eternal. And the salvation that we receive through it is eternal. Which is a, I don't understand it. So I, it calls it a mystery. But that mystery has been revealed to us. We have the Messiah. His name is Jesus. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. Um, I want to say that, um, uh, I recently found a really cool resource at Bible Gateway, which shows the Holy Week timeline and it uses colored lines running horizontally, but then goes up, up, up and down, uh, in relationship to space and time, uh, during that week. And each color represents a different person or people group. So like Jesus will be one one line, and then Peter's another line, brown. Jesus oh, is blue, Peter's brown. Kind of like what they were uh, all doing at the time. What they were doing and how they intersected at different moments. Oh, that's Judas so cool. was black, and it just was a really cool picture. So go to Bible Gateway, type in um, Holy Week timeline visual- visualization, and you should be able to find it. Hmm. But it's really cool. 
Well, that's what we had to share with you guys about uh, Jesus being our Passover. Um, he is our miraculous rescuer and redeemer. Mm-hmm. He is. He's our savior. Yeah. So as we go into this season of you know, Easter or yeah. uh, Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it, it's to celebrate his death, his resurrection, and that he's fulfilled for us the thing that we could not fulfill for ourselves, mm-hmm. reconciling us to the Father. So uh, to end our last episode of the season, would you like to share what you're grateful for? Sure. I am grateful for you, Aaron. <laughs> you have loved me with a love that Aww. I've never doubted. Uh, you're steadfast. You're faithful. You're a rock. You have pushed me to great accomplishments. To You've cheered me on. Um, you've helped me reach goals that I've had since childhood, like big time goals. And, um, you've given me a really beautiful family. Mm. And so I'm super I'm grateful crying for you. Here. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not crying at all. You're crying. I'm not crying. Thank you. I'll say this too. Every yes with you has been my best and I look forward to many more. Mm. I love you, babe. I Thank love you. you. Um, well, now I'm bummed because I know you can't talk. I, that. I know, and I also didn't say I'm grateful for you. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I am grateful for you, but I'm grateful for. It's funny you just said all these like awesome things, but I'm grateful for the hard things that we've been through as a couple. Mm, that's really sweet. I know it's like a little different than yours, it's but bittersweet. <laughs> well, it just shows that with Christ, we can not only survive through many hard trials, but we can thrive as well. Mm. Um, like you brought up all these things that we've accomplished, yeah. or that this thing, like you accomplishing dreams, but there were so many hard things that we've been through as well. Yeah. Um, but it feels like we've invested a lot into our marriage and we get to see the fruit as we grow older. Um, so I, I don't regret the hard things. I don't wish they not. didn't happen. Um, I'm grateful for those things because they've made us, God's made us who we are today through those things. Totally. And so now we're not going to have any more hard things moving forward because today's the first day of the year the <laughs> calendar starts now no more hard i'm just kidding oh, no you. i'm grateful for you though and the things that we've been through well we just wanted to do that this season um share things that we're grateful for in hopes of spreading more gratefulness be grateful and people. so <laughs> if you guys wanted to take time this week to consider what you're grateful for and share it with someone else share it with the lord share it with your spouse and uh just be, to have a moment where you just praise God in that thankfulness and gratefulness. Uh-huh. Um, and also just a reminder, go dig into the f- all the feasts and festivals and, and learn about them. Mm-hmm. We're not saying you have to do them all, but maybe you want to. Maybe you want to try them out and see, see how they work. But learn who Christ is in all of them. Yeah. Because there's so much. There's probably, there's an infinite number of things that we don't even, haven't even pulled out of any of this stuff. Um, but you can find it. Um, So as usual, we're going to end this episode in prayer. Jennifer, would you pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for your son and his sacrifice that we may have eternal life. What an incredible gift you have given to us. Thank you for the gospel and the way it has transformed our lives. We pray we would boldly proclaim your gospel so that others may know your truth and be saved. Thank you for loving us and for forgiving us. We pray for more understanding of your word and more wisdom. Please help us to be a light in this world, Lord. May your will be done in us, in our marriages, and in this world. We are patiently waiting to be with you and to spend eternity with you. Until then, we submit our lives to you and ask that you would move through us to bring about your will on earth. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. We love you all, um, and we look forward to being with you next season of this podcast. Please take some time over our break to go listen to old episodes. Um, And also, as always, would you be our share warriors and share this episode with someone who would be encouraged by it? We love you all, and we'll see you soon. Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.